Little bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show dedicated to the people of our Appalachian region who produce, prepare, and preserve our foods and agricultural products. Our theme song that you just heard was sung, arranged, and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee. And she's even sung on the Grand Old Opry. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. This Mother's Day weekend, we are setting the table with strawberries. We visit with four different people today. Strawberry farmer David Lay, food writer Ronnie Lundy with her story on drive through strawberry pie, Fred Sossman with a segment on strawberry grower Wayne Scott and Mother's Day, and Mary Constantine, food writer for the Knottsville News Sentinel, with an easy recipe for strawberry jam. Plus, I have a big list of events in our area that are food and agriculturally related, presented by area nonprofit organizations. Thank you so much for joining us here today at our Tennessee table. We appreciate your good company. Now let's get started. Our first guest is David Lay. He and his wife, Linda Lay, are farmers and bluegrass musicians. The name of their band is Springfield Exit, and they farm an area along the Holston River in the Goshen Valley near Rogersville, Tennessee. They operate a CSA and grow all sorts of vegetables and fruits, like blueberries, raspberries, and pesticide-free strawberries. Let's join David right now and hear a little bit about his farming and also about their music. So you are David Lay of David and Linda Lay. What's the name of your farm? Just David Lay Farms, I guess. Where's it at? Rogersville, Tennessee, about 70 miles east of Knoxville. What all do you farm up there? We're growing strawberries, tomatoes, lettuce, uh, spinach, kale, cabbage, broccoli, heirloom tomatoes, plus red tomatoes and Roma tomatoes and yellow tomatoes, and uh, we're doing yellow squash and zucchini for Food City, and winter squash and some pumpkins. And I'm sure I left something out. Can't you think of anything else? That's enough. <laughs> pepper. Red, pepper. Both uh, green and red pepper. Your strawberries are good. They're better than those California berries that you get at most major chains. The berries we're picking this year are the best I've ever grown. When Before we came back home, we'd been doing four or five acres of strawberries in Frederick County, Virginia. But uh, when we came back home, we went the organic route. And I'm of the opinion that there is something to be said for the organic fertilizer. Uh, these berries, they've still got size but they're just sweet as sugar and they're not all blown up with a lot of nitrogen. 
you know, the yield might not be quite as good as we're used to, but we're pleased with how they're doing. We've not sprayed ours with anything as of yet, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not like there's some organic OMRI approved fungicides we could use, but we're trying to keep them picked close enough, even with all the rain we've had, we've still not had any trouble with them. No, you keep saying before you came back home, where were you two at? We lived in Winchester, Virginia for about 10 or 12 years. And uh, I went up there to work construction and then started back farming up there. And we ended up with a roadside farm market called Linda's Mercantile and went back to farming. But it was time to come home <laughs> uh, between our parents and our children and grandkids. It was just and we still had our place in Goshen Valley and it was just time to come home. Linda's Mercantile, isn't that a name of a CD I've seen? Yep, that was when Cracker Barrel started doing, got into the music business in a substantial way. Uh, Joe Wilson and the National Council for Traditional Arts kind of co-opt with Dan Evans, the founder of Cracker Barrel, to start this heritage music label. And uh, when they started it, it was supposed to be music that was really good, or good, a cross-section of different kind of music, but it was not to be mainstream. It was people that you might not necessarily hear on the mainstream radio, and their way of marketing was these kiosks. And, you know, it was a cool deal for us. Linda got to do a old country record, and Tom T. and Dixie Hall had written a song about us called Miss Linda's Mercantile Store and talked about us farming in their farm market and this sort of thing and that ended up being the title cut of Linda's country record in Cracker Barrel. And Linda is his wife and her voice is beautiful. She's I'm married to her but she's a singer singer and she's singing better now than she ever has and she's a wonderful bass player too. Linda is a master artist for the state of Virginia in traditional singing through the Virginia Foundation for Humanities which Linda grew up uh, not far from the Crooked Road. She's always been involved with the music and stuff in Virginia and uh, John Loman who's the director of the Virginia Folklife program several years ago made Linda a uh, master artist in traditional singing and in fact she's got an apprentice this year that she's working with a real owner of vocals a real uh, 14 year old fiddle player by the name of Kitty Amaral who is amazing and uh, she has really made a lot of progress on her singing but she is quite the fiddle player. Well, we'll look for Kitty Amaral. Yeah, she may be with us in Knoxville sometime playing around. Who knows? David Lay and Linda Lay, I'm just so glad to know y'all now. Well, it's a pleasure, Amy, and something about you, you know, you, we genuinely like you, and it's like, for some reason, I feel like I've known you before, I, I, and I'm trying to put my finger on that, and maybe one of these days I'll figure it out. I feel the same way. Maybe people who love bluegrass and traditional stuff and farming just are kind of the cut from the same crop or yeah, something. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm glad to meet you, and thanks for um, sparing some time. We're sitting here in the middle of this cement jungle of Knoxville, Tennessee, right here by the river. It's pretty, but I can't wait to get back to Blount County. Can you wait to get to Rogersville? I need to get on the tractor and get to working ground tonight because okay. we've had all this rain. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, thanks again, David. You're welcome. And you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table broadcast and podcast. And we've been visiting with David Lay of Linda and David Lay Farms. They are musicians and farmers 
and they are at Market Square Farmers Market today, right near Tomato Head Restaurant with their pesticide-free strawberries. And you can find them weekly at the Market Square Farmers Market, the Kingston Farmers Market, and a couple of weeks they'll be at the Bristol Market. To connect with them, they pretty much do that by Facebook by searching for David Lay Farms. Up next is Fred Sossman from Johnson City with his segment about strawberry grower Wayne Scott, strawberries, and Mother's Day. And now, let's hear from our friend, Fred Sossman. He's a food historian and teacher of Appalachian Foodways at East Tennessee State University in Johnson City. We like to call the segment of this show, Seasons Eatings. It's the power of old-time advertising. Set up on the side of the road, haul out a sign, announce strawberries. Within minutes, buyers converge. Be the seller Scott's, Thompson's, or anyone with the patience to shepherd a strawberry patch through an unpredictable Tennessee springtime and customers appear out of nowhere. License plates prove the speed of the age-old communication method. Word of mouth sells strawberries. Strawberry passion in southern Appalachia runs deep. Back to the Cherokees. For some of us, Thoughts turn to pies with an accent of rhubarb. Others pinch off green caps, cup their hands for errant juice, think to do a quick rinse of the berry, and at about two bites, it's gone. No time even for sugar. Hard to fathom, but I have encountered people who abhor chocolate. I've yet, though, to talk to a soul who failed to appreciate a strawberry. We expect them all spring. May 10th was my mother's birthday. It was the line of demarcation between a strawberry-deprived spring and a few weeks of paradise. Nowadays, the expectation kicks in earlier, with hardier varieties backed by solid science from agricultural schools across the country. We start scanning roadsides in late April. We may cheat and pick up a South Carolina box of strawberries before then, but call it bias or regional pride, nothing for us beats the yield of some of the world's richest earth, the alluvial deposits along the Nolichucky River in East Tennessee. I walked those fields one crispy cold spring day about a decade ago alongside a man named Wayne Scott. He read volumes into a tender leaf and an even more vulnerable blossom. He had given up a secure career as a high school agriculture teacher to venture into the risky world of strawberries. His weather charts read like a pilot's log. If there were a Strawberry Hall of Fame, Wayne Scott would be my first nominee. He reshaped the tastes of East Tennesseans. He helped us realize that California berries were a compromise. I'm not sure Wayne Scott ever heard the word locavore or used the phrase farm to table, but he embodied the ideas long before a lot of other folks. 
I can't eat a strawberry today without thinking of that day near the Nolichucky River or my mother's smile when that first bowl of very lightly sugared strawberries was placed with pride on our Tennessee table. Some years, when the calendar and the season aligned just right, Mother's Day, my mother's birthday, and strawberries occurred on the same day. It was cosmic convergence. For the Tennessee Farm Table, I'm Fred Sausman. Here are several activities and events sponsored by area nonprofit groups that are farming, food, or agriculturally related. If you're in your car and you can't scribble this stuff down, I always have these links on my website, tennesseefarmtable.com, under the link that says listen to the show. The Appalachian Region Wine Producers Association presents the second annual Nine Lakes Wine Festival, May 17th, 18th, and 19th at Melton Hill Lake Park in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, featuring 100-plus Tennessee wines and ciders, live music, chef demos, and wine seminars. If you're not a wine drinker, non-tasting tickets are available at a reduced price. Details at NineLakesWineFestival.com. The Art from the Hills Art Show is now open to the public at the Phoenix Building next to the pharmacy in downtown Knoxville on Gay Street. This art show features prints and photographs. Several of them are local farmers or food producers and regional East Tennessee scenes. This show will be up until the end of May during Dogwood Arts Festival. The Nourish Knoxville Market Square Farmer's Market is now open and takes place weekly on Wednesdays from 11 to 2 and Saturdays from 9 until 2. These markets run until November. There are four markets operated by East Tennessee Farmers Association of Retail Marketing and they are open and as follows. Tuesday is the Ebenezer Road Farmer's Market from 3 until 6 located where Westland Drive joins Ebenezer in West Knoxville. Wednesday is the Oak Ridge Farmer's Market from 3 until 6 at Jackson Square. Friday is the Lakeshore Park Farmer's Market from 3 until 6 p.m. Saturday is the Oak Ridge Farmer's Market from 8 a.m. until 12 noon at Jackson Square. The Miracle Farmer's Market is now open and takes place every Saturday from 9 a.m. until 12 noon at Founders Square in downtown Miraville. The Dixie Lee Farmer's Market in Far West Knotts County now open every Saturday from 9 until 12 noon at 12740 Kingston Pike. In June, the Teleco Plains Farmer's Market and Sevierville Farmer's Market will open. The CAC Beardsley Community Farm has put out a call for scholarship sponsorships to send a child to the upcoming Beardsley Farm Camp, which takes place June 4th through 8th. The goal of the farm is to host a camp that is inclusive to all children of all socioeconomic levels. The East Tennessee Chapter of National Young Farmers Coalition is a networking and advocacy group for new and beginning farmers. This group hosts four to six events per year, such as potlucks, farm tours, and film screenings, and a great way to meet other local growers. The Spring East Tennessee Plant Swap will be held today at the New Harvest Park in Knoxville, beginning at 10 a.m. 
followed by potluck lunch at 11.30, and this is a free event and everyone is welcome. Second Harvest Food Bank is in need of volunteers to help pick produce at Century Harvest Farms in Greenback, Tennessee. Century Harvest Farm Foundation and Second Harvest Food Bank have partnered together, and this produce will then be donated and distributed to Second Harvest Food Bank partner organizations that serve 18 counties in our East Tennessee area. To volunteer or for more information, by email greg at secondharvest.com. TN.org. And again, links and phone numbers to all this that I just read can always be found in one big list at TennesseeFarmTable.com under that link that says Listen to the Show. And now it's In the Kitchen with Mary Constantine, food writer for the Knoxville New Sentinel. Pick your own signs have been cropping up all over our area announcing the arrival of strawberries. As an added testament to their coming out party are numbers of photos on social media showing line after line of fruit-filled flats and or row after row of homemade strawberry jam. My daughter-in-law puts up strawberry jam each year, and she uses the recipe on the Sure Gel package. And each year, my son manages to eat all of it long before the holiday season arrives, because you see, Mama always wants at least one jar of jam for the holidays. This year, my daughter-in-law has put up 89 half-pint jars. Of course, many of her family would love to have a jar, like me, but I'm pretty sure by now my son's got a lock on that cupboard door. If you want to try your hand at making strawberry jam, here's a simple recipe from picktennesseeproducts.org that'll get you started. All you need is two cups of crushed strawberries and four cups of sugar. Combine them in a large bowl, mix well, and let them stand at room temperature for 10 minutes. While those are resting, mix three-fourths cup water in a saucepan with a 1.75 ounce box of powdered fruit pectin. Bring the pectin and the water mixture to a boil over medium-high heat and let it boil for one minute. Then you stir in the crushed strawberry and sugar mixture. Stir that mixture together for about three minutes because you want to make sure that the pectin and the fruit have become well incorporated. Then ladle the mixture into sterilized freezer jars, about uh, four half-pint jars, but you want to leave one half inch of headspace. Seal the jars immediately and let stand at room temperature until the jam is set. And you'll hear that ding, ding, ding. It takes about 24 hours. Then refrigerate the jars and use within a month, or you can freeze it if you'd like. Now, head out to your nearest farm and Get picking. This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table. <laughs> 
Ronnie Lundy is a food and music writer whose book Vittles has won two James Beard Awards in 2017. She is a down-to-earth soul from Corbin, Kentucky, and a big fan of bluegrass music. She actually once baked Bill Monroe an apple stack cake after he dared her that he bet she didn't know what one was. A couple of years ago, I went over to her place in North Carolina and recorded her reading some of her stories. And the one we're about to hear comes from her book entitled Butterbeans to Blackberries, Recipes from the Southern Garden, which was printed in 1999. And we are going to hear her story about drive through strawberry pie. Drive-in strawberry pie. For all my daughter knows, the days before air conditioning may well have been in prehistoric times. I do not begrudge her the pleasure of living in a climate-controlled house or the luxury of driving to and from work in August without once breaking a bead of sweat. But I do believe my daughter has lost something in exchange for this shelter from summer's torpor, a subtle but telling edge of pleasure that marks certain seasonal delights. She can savor the juicy sweetness of the first ripe watermelon of the season, but for me, the beauty of that fruit was also tangled up in the arid ride across Corbin and my Uncle Charlie's hot Buick with the sticky straw seat to the fruit market, which was always dark and a good 10 degrees cooler inside. In the back were galvanized tins filled with melons, frigid water, and big velvety blocks of melting ice. I got to put my arms up to the elbow in the water to pat prospective melons and could dangle my hands there while Charlie and the proprietor pulled a plug to check a prospect. The ride home was as good as air conditioned with my still cold arm pressed against one cheek and the frosty melon full of promised pleasure clutched beside me on the seat. Back home in Louisville, going to the drive-in restaurant was another summer respite. No steamy kitchen for my mother, and hard as it is to imagine now, sitting in the car with windows rolled down under the drive-in's canopy seemed as cool as basking in an ocean breeze. We had burgers, onion rings, and if the temperature was hot enough, Cokes with dinner and shakes for dessert, cold enough to give you a headache. But there were also times when dinner was not the destination. Instead, we made the trek simply for pieces of a in-season strawberry pie. Now, with huge, crunchy California strawberries at the grocery year-round, it's hard to remember the heady gluttony of real strawberry season when every night you had ice cream or shortcake and every morning strawberries and cream and the local drive-in restaurants put up signs proclaiming, yes, we have strawberry pie. That was the siren call to my mother, her best friend Sarah, and my cousin Billy, all of whom loved beyond reason the flaky pastry crust filled with whole crimson tart berries held together in a sweet strawberry gelatin and topped with silky whipped cream. You can get poor imitations of these pies anytime you want now, but I'm here to tell you that the out-of-season strawberries and factory reddened goop that surrounds them don't hold a candle to the real thing. Billy or Sarah would call sometimes in the heat of the day, sometimes late at night, and tell my mother to get ready they were coming by. Billy's son, Rocky, was just my age, and Sarah's boys, Larry and Keith, flanked us on either side by a year. While I love them all, um, they did tend to get a bit rowdy. I was perfect, of course. 
On the way to the ranch house, the drive-in which made the best strawberry pie in the connoisseur's opinion, the women would balance their fear of embarrassment from wild children with the pure pleasure of eating the pie off a real plate instead of off the paper plate it was served on outside. We would hold our collective breath in the back seat, knowing from experience that a verbal urging from any of us could tip the balance in the wrong direction. Inevitably, though, by the time we got to the turquoise building, they would have decided to go inside if you children can behave. Come on in, it's cool inside, proclaimed a sly blue penguin painted on the glass, exhaling a blast of white icicled air with his invitation. In fact, it was no problem for us to behave. That first blast of arctic air as we stepped through the door stunned us into absolute submission. It was so cold we had to hold our bare legs and shorts up off the plastic seats until they got accustomed to the chill. And then it was pleasure enough just to lean back, basking in the unaccustomed iciness. The pie. The pie was the exquisite capper to the whole experience. We all got frosty glasses of milk and could not fathom why our mothers would opt for hot and bitter coffee. We compared pieces to see who got the largest whole berry, the winner gloating as he or she ate every bite all around that last luscious one. And as long as we could contain ourselves afterwards, the mothers would sit and smoke and talk, letting themselves be smoothed by the chilly pleasure. Uh, but of course, the sugar from the strawberry confection usually took its toll, and like bugs brought back to life from hibernation, we'd begin to squirm and wiggle, pinch and whine, all of which got us evicted from the Garden of Eden in no time. All right, we've just heard a story written and recited by Ronnie Lundy about drive through strawberry pie. Information about Ronnie's work at RonnieLundy.com. That is spelled R-O-N-N-I-L-U-N-D-Y. Thank you so much for your great company here today on the Tennessee Farm Table. Hope you can join us again right back here next Saturday at 9 a.m. on the radio dial at WDVX.com out in Knoxville or anytime on our podcast, TennesseeFarmTable.com. Our theme song was written by myself and sung, arranged, and performed by Emmy Sunshine of East Tennessee. More information about Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. That is spelled T-H-E-E-M-I Sunshine.com. We hope you'll reach out and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and also our podcast on TennesseeFarmTable.com. And please tell your friends about us. We want to say thank you to WDVX Radio out of Knoxville, Tennessee. They are a true community-supported radio station that does not receive funding from universities or government agencies. The community and businesses support WDVX. Through an agreement with WDVX, they are our media partner, and the Tennessee Farm Table Show is broadcast on that station every Saturday at 9 a.m. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.